Welcome to Straight Out of Savannah, Talking with Tammy, a podcast that showcases people you may not know who are choosing to use their gifts to inspire and move the planet. Straight out of Savannah, talking with Tammy, with my guest, Henry Mason. He's an amazing, amazing young man. He's going to introduce himself and tell you what he does. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My name is Henry Mason Jr. I'm actually a graduate of Morehouse College. I'm in Atlanta right now, and I started a home care and hospice company in 2014 in Atlanta. It's called Precious Hospice, Precious Healthcare. And from there, we've opened up two other locations, one in Chicago and one in Indiana. And like we were just talking about, I think the difference between, you know, us and other companies and why I'm so passionate about it is because I was once a caregiver. And so once you kind of go through that process of seeing what that, what that really entails, you can really tell someone like, hey, no, you know, one or two visits a week might not be enough for you. I'm going to say, hey, I'm willing to say, I'm going to put people over profit and it's going to help grow the business because you're going to tell someone else that you experienced this and they're going to tell you about their experiences and it's not going to be nowhere near the same. And they're all going to come calling me. And that's really has worked for when I say it has worked for us. When I, I mean, this is 2015 and I have three locations and to be 32. I feel like that tells you like, yeah, it, it's, it's working. And, and I, I tell people who want to get into business all the time, like, banks don't really back you like they think like you think they would like you're just going to the bank to get a loan or get a line of credit it don't work like that like you got to almost be successful before they want to help you so you really got to kind of figure those things out and when I went to Morehouse I got a degree in finance and I will say probably one of the better decisions I've ever made because it allowed me to kind of understand business without getting a job in business because we went through so many so many different types of case studies and different things so when I got into the real world I just implemented those same things into my business um so it wasn't and I never had to have anything so starting off you know you're making thirty thousand fifty thousand dollars a year you might say why would you do that because I had job offers for more but I understood the bigger picture so now obviously I make more but at the time it was you know me and you know trying to figure it out and Uh, I, I would say my apartment was smaller than this office, not the whole office. Like it was smaller than this office right here. Like you could barely fit a bed in there, but now it's nice. So it's cool. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what drove your journey to um, entrepreneurship in this particular field. So I would say it started when I was about 15 and 15 or 16. So this field, the field itself, you can kind of break that down however you want, right? And it's just about wherever your opportunity is because I feel like entrepreneurs really follow opportunity. Like I think people preach passion and purpose and all of that, but I think there's like, people are reluctant to say that that a lot of it really is, if you're an entrepreneur and you find an opportunity or you find a space or a niche that you can go into, you'll learn that space, right? So I don't have a clinical background or a healthcare background at all, but I learned this space. But I remember when I was 15, there was a guy from my church and I promise you, he would come pick me up at 4.30 in the morning and we would cut grass in the summer. Wow. 
and for a while he would give us $50 a day to cut grass for eight hours. And then one day this man decided that he was only going to pay me $25 for up to seven hours worth of work. And that for me, I did that for about a week and I saw the pay change and that just wasn't going to work for me. And I went to, <laughs> I'm serious. I think I went to a pawn shop or something. And I was like, wait a minute, if he's getting this much and he can afford to pay us seven, seven or eight guys to go, go cut grass, I'm probably better off getting a lawnmower, which I went and got a lawnmower from a pawn shop. And I just started going around the neighborhood. And I think my first Saturday, like I started at like six, just knocking on doors like, hey, can I cut your grass? Hey, can I cut your grass? Hey, can I cut your grass? I made about 600 bucks. That's in one Saturday, like in a few hours, more than I had ever made with him in two weeks, probably, right? So when I was when I realized that, I said, oh, wait, there's something to this entrepreneurship portion that people don't tell you. And that how he's making money to pay us is just like something that I, I get why he would not explain it to you, because obviously I think from his business model. But it just, because I felt like I was treated so unfairly, I just kind of went out there and started doing my own thing. And it worked. Like for a while, I was hiring my friend, like the neighborhood kids all worked for me. So I would go out different houses and knock on doors. I probably had in my peak 50 houses, easily 50 houses. And I don't think I was, like, I didn't have a driver's license yet. (laughs) Yeah, because I remember talking to my mom once and she was out. We had never really talked about like money growing up. My mom was a teacher. So, you know, when that thing, you don't really talk about money in those households, right? It's just like, well, I don't have enough for this. But I remember I wanted something and she said, well, I don't have enough for it. And I'm like, well, I got it, it's fine. And I'll get you some too, right? And she didn't understand. I, that's when I told her like, oh no, I cut 40 houses around here. Like you didn't know. And she's like, what in the world? Like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, oh no, just trying to make some money because I'm hungry and I want this stuff and I want these shoes like my friends got. And so I think that was really where, because and it got to a point where I got ready to go to college. And I'm like, what am I going to college for? Like, I've already figured something out. No, ser- like, seriously, like, what am I going to college for? But I ended up going to Morehouse, studying finance. And when I left Morehouse 20, not 2010, the economy was crap. So everyone was like trying to figure out what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I had two job offers. Um, I won't say names of the companies, but they were decent job offers. One was in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, finance and one was in Atlanta for finance for two one was a bank and one was like retail finance so like budgeting analyzing stuff like that planning mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that so I called my granddad and I talked to him about it. I said I don't really want to get a job I feel like I can go back to what I know and figure something out and he said well yeah if you figure out how to like cover your expenses you can do this like don't let anyone tell you you can't do it so I called a couple of my buddies I was like yo y'all are trying to do something I'm trying to do something Let's get a one-bedroom apartment and get a bed and a couch and a love seat from like Goodwill or something, and we can like figure it out. And so we did that, and we barely were able to pay like rent for like three years. And I don't, I can't explain it to you. All I can say is, you're, we were like doing it two years, three years, and I remember, I remember just like not paying my rent for like three months. I cannot remember this lady's name, but I promise you, if I see her right now. I owe her so much. She let me not pay my rent for like three months. And it just like happened. We happened to get paid for something called headhunting. So no cost to do headhunting. It's the crazy. You're a nurse. You get it, right? Like there's no cost in it. I literally would call companies, get on the phone, call other headhunting firms, get their contracts, revise their contracts, send that to the companies I was working with, get them to give us the contracts, post the positions on Craigslist, 
pay $25 and these companies would pay me eight to $12,000 per person. So you're talking about at one, I was probably 22 years old. And I remember having like negative three, this is, I don't know if you can still do it now, I don't know. But back then they would let you have negative two, three thousand dollars in your account, which I don't know why they did that. So I did that. And then like one day I just like, I had gotten checks and had nowhere to put them because I hadn't even started the company yet. Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> I'm serious. I I would never forget that. I would never. It's the. I, that's why I say if I can find that leasing agent, if anybody knows her, like tell her to come find me. Like I got something. Kept <laughs> me from being homeless. Like seriously. Right, so we did. I did that. I still do that. But that company's in D.C. now. So we mostly do government recruiting and contracting up in D.C. But in 2014, my mom was going through this bout with cancer, and so she had worked for another hospice before. And I didn't really know much about the business, but I know that watching her go through this and being her caregiver and trying to have a job and trying to run a business, it was a lie. Like, oh yeah, it was a lie. Like there would be, you know, with her chemo treatments, it would be 12 hours where she felt fine and I'd be happy and 12 hours where she'd be just throwing up on the floor. Not continuously, obviously, but there would be some, like the nausea would be so bad. She'd be so nauseous. Like she couldn't function and medication didn't help. Like, it just wasn't helping at all. Yeah. Um, she couldn't get her food. So it was just very like a traumatic, to me, it was a traumatic experience. I had never, it, even if I had seen it, I would never expect to have seen it with my mother as a 25 year old. Right. So I kind of went through that. And I, she told me, she said, hey, you know, my job, they don't really care about me. They haven't been up there to check on me and they're a hospice company. I said, yo, I'm, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna start one of those. I got enough money saved. I'm gonna start one. You know how to run it. She said, yeah. I said, don't worry. I'm gonna learn, teach me how to run it. While, while she's on her chemo bed, right? This is before <laughs> COVID. So this is way before COVID. So now you can't go see people when they go get chemo. But now, but back then, I can go sit with her for six hours right beside her chair and just kind of sit there with her while she, you know, watch Simpsons on her iPad or whatever she did. And so she taught me the business while she sat there doing chemo. Um, and the rest was history. And we just set up Precious Hospice. And next thing I know, we focus on underserved communities. So obviously, if, I don't know, there are studies that were proven that 88% or 90% of hospice is all taken up by white America. And so no one really tapped into that community. So yeah. we went straight there. We went straight there. We went right to the Medicaid, Medicare patients and said, hey, look, we know why you don't want to be on hospice. It had nothing to do with you thinking people are going to die. It's you don't trust them, right? You, you don't trust the guy. You don't trust them. And I get it. There have been, you know, they did tests on black people, these different things. I get it, but you can trust me, right? And so let me be the conduit. Let me be the middleman between them and you and a service that you're gonna get. Whether you whether you use it or not, you've already paid for it because we all pay for Medicare and Medicaid while we work. And right. that marketing plan just worked. And that's the only way I can explain it outside of maybe it was purpose, maybe it was like something divine, but it worked for me. And so we went from Chicago, from Atlanta to Chicago to Indiana. And I don't really know what's going to happen next. I just know it's a pandemic and I just feel blessed to, <laughs> to be able to do this as, you know, as it is right now. But I, I do feel really blessed and like, I enjoy it even, you know, it's not always beautiful, but the idea of the business model is like amazing. And even though I'm not clinical, I've learned so much about the business side of healthcare that I, and that's something I really want to share with other people too, because I don't think people really understand how crazy it is. They don't. <laughs> they, they, yeah, you get it. You get it. They have no idea. They have they no. Have I no mean, because they they think that 
everything they see on TV. Yeah, they think they can watch. Um, what is this show? People love Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, do you people know that you will probably never see a doctor put an IV in? <laughs> literally, literally never. <laughs> like literally never. No, like the nurses do everything. Your like your doctor just comes by and says do your the, nurse did a great job. Yeah, and, and basically take credit. I'm like, oh man, no. And that's why I love nurses so much. Like in hospitals, we mostly, I mean, we have our doctors, but they kind of oversee. Yeah. But the nurses, the nurses are the ones with the bedside manner. They go talk to the patients. They talk to the families. They're the ones helping them with their medications. It's like I love nursing. That's what I'm yeah. telling you. I must say, you know. Uh, uh, do such and such a thing, you're like, no, I, yeah. they don't even know this patient. No idea. They have no idea. They you know, have hey, no idea. I'm like, this patient is not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the craziest. And no one knows that. That's why it's just so interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, say, I love it. I love just, it. Just the thought of, you know, being the age that you are doing this and actually um, believing in yourself. Yeah. Okay, so one thing I wanted to ask you, because I was looking at your stuff and it said, overcoming fear in order to grow a successful business that can truly make a difference in our communities. And that impacted me. And I wanted you to kind of share um, basically how you did that, because that is something that I liked and I love to um, showcase on my show, because um, it's all about um, following your intuition and, you know, um, doing things that's changing the planet. So to me, yeah. that is an amazing feat because so many people let fear stop them from, you know, doing the thing that they're being called to do. And just like you said, um, we talked earlier about um, people talking about passion and purpose and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. those things are important. However, you know, you have to follow the destiny that God has set for you because we don't always all know what destiny we have you know and a lot of times it takes us years to find it and sometimes you know it's all in overcoming this fear and so mm -hmm. I want you to, to share a little bit about that because that is like so big you know because so many people have dreams and you know stuff that they take to the grave with them yeah you know because they they're they're scared to you know, get out there or they allow those fears that um, come from the stories that they tell themselves. So how did you deal with that? And how did you get past that? So I think mine was a little different. And the only reason why I say that was because remember, my mom was coming off of chemo. Yeah. And growing up, my mother was a teacher. So I think for me, it was a matter of creating a, a life for them. And I think a lot of times in our community, people don't really understand how that reality really is our reality, right? Mm -hmm. So we're we're in a space, we're in a space where we're forced to kind of be the ones to figure that out. Because my mom, she sacrificed everything as a teacher to get me to college, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that, you're like, well is that what what she did how can i if i'm fearful of what i could become i'm really doing every 20 years her investment with a 20-year investment is a disservice right it's almost like a slap in the face to my mom yeah. and so oh, yeah for me it wasn't that difficult of a choice and i also will say 
I failed so many times that it really like another failure wouldn't matter. Like I remember leaving college and just start, when I say it was like three or four years before we really, before I really figured anything out, like I would make a little money, try to invest, try to build a business. It would fail. I might've failed like 10 times. Like I remember, <laughs> I, I would never forget. I built the app and black enterprise called me to be on a panel. And I was like, are y'all nuts? Like, this app sucks. Like no one even like, maybe like 10,000 people were using it, you know, but it was like, they were interested in a black guy building an app back in the day. Right. It's like, but it, it failed. Like I ran out of money. I had to start over. And after a while, you just kind of get to a point where you're like, I mean, I grew up in a family and my mom was a teacher where it's okay to fail. And I think that is huge. Like, I think that's huge. And I, I'm not sure where the disconnect is, where we make it seem like oh, you have to do something that you're going to be successful in because that you've already taken the creativity out of the person because now they don't even know, like they feel like if they fail, they're a failure. Yes. When it's like I failed 10 times before I was 25 years old, right? So when you tell somebody that, they're saying, well, how is that possible? Oh, no, I can show you how it's possible. <laughs> I can show you these companies that I put this much money into, they all came out with negative balances at the end of it, right? So I think the the fear part was really about <clears throat> what's my option, mm -hmm. right? So I wanted to take care of my mom. I think that was super important to me. And I really, I, even now, I feel like I'm kind of behind the eight ball because like I'm just now buying my mom a house like at 31, but I feel like I could, I should have done it like pre-30. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, but that's how I think though. Like I, that's really how I think. I remember, and most guys, when they, you know, they finally touch something, they buy a mom a Mercedes. I did that. Don't do that. Anybody listening, don't do that. Like, that is dumb. Don't do that. But I definitely did that, too. Don't do that. Uh, but, like, just those different things. And I think, like, seeing her proud of it made it so worth it. Like, it makes it so worth it. Like, even now when she talks to me, like, this this love and this genuine appreciation that she has, and I'm telling her, like, well, I mean, technically, I'm only smarter because you're a teacher. So if you're living with a teacher, you're going to be a little bit smarter than most people, right? Your, your vocabulary is going to be a little more advanced. Most people your age. Yeah, so, you know, little things like that. So, yeah, but just overcoming fear, I just think you got to know why you're doing it, right? And it's like, once you understand why you're doing it, you can get through the hard parts. Um, and some people, the hard parts last for a month or a year. Some people, it lasts. Some people don't figure it out for 40, 50 years. I mean, the KFC guy didn't figure out he was 60. Right. Oh, really? I think he was like 62 years old. Colonel Sanders figured out how to that KFC, you know, so you don't we don't know when we just know that if you keep trying, in my opinion, eventually it will work for you. I agree. Yeah, I agree completely. And I tell people that all the time because ladies are like, oh, well, I'm hardly old. And, you know, my kids are grown and now I have grandkids, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, well, my mother is going back to school when she's 70. There you go. You know, and I'm like, you do what you do what you want to do. I was like, you know that now, you know, 40s a new 30, 50s a new 40, whatever, you know. But uh yeah, you can do whatever you want to do. And that is so key. 
And I'm just uh, excited just to even have this conversation with oh, you. Please. Oh, okay. please. Oh, please. You don't know. I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay. Because, like, I read through all your stuff and I was like, man, this guy is just amazing. I'm so excited. Man, I appreciate it. Thank you. I don't know. I don't know what you read. You know, I don't know what, what you found, but I appreciate it. Hopefully, it, was, it sounded like it was good stuff. So I appreciate it. Was it was good stuff. Your assistant sent it to me. And I was like, okay, this is what's okay. up. And I, and I was like, I'm kind of excited to talk to him. I, you know, and it's funny because people are trying to always, like, I want to get the story out more, mm -hmm. but it, it, it becomes difficult because you got to choose the right platforms. Like, and that's what I tell, you know, Ray, her name is Ray. It's like, I want to choose the right platforms. Like, choose people who are interested in what I'm talking about. Yes. And that's particularly for me, it's like, are there, is their audience the underserved community? Like, we obviously don't serve people all over the world. You're podcast your medium can go all over the world but anybody that's out there can hear that yeah. you know we're trying to reach you and that you don't have to necessarily trust these types of people if you don't want to I don't think it's a problem with it but if you don't want to um and we know that to be true because we are taking the vaccine right mm -hmm. like we, we even have nurses who don't want to take that we have like we've seen nurses like from hospitals and everything like that that say they don't take the vaccine it was like it's really not an option right like it's not an option right so but I get it. I understand it. I totally understand it. But at least they know that, you know, you can kind of go out there and try your thing. Like even with you doing your podcast, it's like a podcast is tough, right? And you're coming up with a thousand subscribers. Like that's, that's, you know, we need to give a hand clap for you. That's exciting. No, really? That's exciting. Because there's so many different podcasts. Like there's so many different hospices, right? You're just trying to find your niche and maybe it's the tiger in the background. Like, I don't know I'm what it is. You, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, the thing is, is um, I think what excites me so much about your story is that you want to make a difference and you want to yeah. do it the right way because yeah. there are lots of hospices. As I work for hospices myself oh, wow. a few times, I worked in the office and in the field and so many of them, they're just after money over people and they don't seem to care about the people and especially our people you know we have to say it you know the underserved community because um they just have to profit and they don't you know I, and i it used to bother me really bad sure. because yeah. i like to you know people you know what i mean and yeah. the thing is is there are so many companies that are doing what you're doing but they're not doing what you're doing yeah you know, that they're not taking care of uh, not only the, the patients, but not the staff, you know, because the thing is that, that if you have happy staff, then you're going to have happy patients. A hundred percent of the time. You know, I don't know where the disconnect is, but that's like the most common sense statement I've ever heard that people overlook. And I don't know what the problem is, but it's very simple. If you have a nurse and she is happy, how do you think she's going to treat her patients? Exactly. Right. So I, I, I'm with you there, right? And so, but I, I also understand, right? You have to stay in business, mm -hmm. and yeah. you want to scale, and you want to scale fast, and you want to, you know, these these companies are not easy to start, right? You're talking two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars roughly for sometimes for depending on the city, it could be four hundred thousand dollars to start one. Mm -hmm. So I, I, some of it is like they are chasing these profits, and it's like for me, it's. I think the only the real difference is maybe it's because I'm younger. I don't know. I feel like I'm playing a marathon. Like I'm not trying to run and beat you in this year. I'm not gonna do that. 
We're talking brand recognition. Can Precious, can the name Precious get out there? Uh, we just started a, what we call the Precious Box. And what it is, is I see a lot of people giving to children, right? But who does anything for seniors? And I see all these commercials like, hey, you know, for 50 cents a day, you can help a child eat. It's like, maybe, maybe, maybe we are helping a child eat. We don't really know, right? But imagine a concert where you can actually give something to a senior that's tangible and you can make their whole year. One, one item, we're giving them one box a month. It's a curated box, so many different things in there, blankets, shoes, t-shirts, jump, just like different things that make seniors happy. And it, from anonymous people or you send one to your grandma. I mean, we launched it a month ago and we ran out, right? And it was just like, yeah, and it's called thepreciousbox.com. Just me being able to come up with different ideas like that, like that's also what I love about this business. Like when you are the one that is a little bit younger, your ideas are going to be different. Yes. When you're willing to do it for little money, like in my my paycheck is very small. But when I say, I mean, relative, right? To a CEO of a company with three locations, it's very small. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, it's like, I can take all that money and we can come up with new concepts. And we can come up with new ideas because there's no, I'm not even married. There's no rush for me to do anything. I'm not taking care of anybody now, right? So we've been able to do, I think I've been able to do that. And my team understands that. And also because of that, I've been able to get people from very well-established companies and they tell me what to do. They say, well, this is what, this is how they get into these hospitals. I'm like, they do what? This is how they get into these hospitals. You know, I'm, I'm in the underserved community too. Like some of the things I could never do, but we still are here. We're still fighting and we're still figuring it out and we're still expanding. So it's just, you know, being in my purpose, like you said, and I, you know, I love it. I, I can't stop smiling about it because I genuinely love taking care of seniors at home, like, or terminally ill, critically ill, like, whatever the acuity is, like, it, it's just, I, I don't know why, and it's the other thing, I don't know why I like it so much. It just resonates with me, right, and it's just, mm -hmm. like, I just do it, yeah, I just love and it. And you light up and glow up every time you talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I also <laughs> drink a lot of water, so there's that, you know. <laughs> hey, and that's the, that's the purpose, it's like, you know, doing what your destiny is. And yeah. like you said, your destiny, you can find it at 25, you can find it at 30, 50, 40, whatever, 60, like a, a KFC guy. Yeah. No. So really it's, it's like walking in your purpose. And that is like the most amazing thing. And for me, I love to see it because mm -hmm. I actually help women to um, step out into their greatness because I believe that, you know, whatever you've been through and all the things that happen in your life you know, make up the whole of you. So all the things that you went through and everything that, you know, uh, even uh, challenges, even, you know, things that work for you or whatever, it all encompasses your life. So it's all, you know, for your destiny. Men, men too, though, right? Like men experience trauma, right? Oh, yeah. Like we have, oh, yeah. We have, you know, I'm from the South side of Chicago. So people don't, talk to me about it because I may not look like it, but no, I went to a public school in the South side of Chicago. <laughs> I've seen some things that you, I don't believe that. I'm like, no, I've seen some things. Right. I've, I've, you know, I've got some friends I'll never see again, mm -hmm. right? Like it's just things like that. It's like, it, and I don't know if people truly understand how important that statement is that you made. Like everything that you've been through, like holistically makes up who you are. Yes. your experiences and it also more than this is and this is this is a little off topic but 
this is a reason why I don't get mad at people who have different views than I do. It's yeah. because their views are based on what they've experienced. Yes. And so we have to understand that and give them a different experience. Yes. Right? And so that's kind of where I'm like, I'm telling you, like, it's real. Like, it, these things are real. Like, I have friends from so many different cultures, different backgrounds, mm -hmm. different, we support different presidential candidates. And it's when they tell me why, I'm like, that makes no sense. But because you had one experience with one person, that has shaped your entire way of thinking. Let's try, let's try to change it. Yeah. <laughs> That's powerful. You are you, you gotta be a coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I let the experts do it. I like the ex you're an expert, you do it, you just tell me how, you know, help me out. Why don't you help me? Yeah, no, I'll do it. I All right. It. Well, we are going to close this interview, but thank before so we much. go, I really want to thank you for joining me because it's been so fabulous and I I've had the most amazing time. And to be honest with you, I say that with almost every interview that I do, because I do. Because just sure. like you are sharing with us, I'm learning and growing as well. And I love that. That is yeah, one of my favorite things about this platform. Um, but this platform, this thing is going to be on Anchor. Okay. And it's also on YouTube. So what I will do is I'll put it together for you. And then once I get it, get it uh, loaded, I'll send it to you. Let I love to see I I love to see it again. Like I appreciate you having me. Yeah. You know, it's it's always a pleasure, and I wish you so much success. Like I, and I'm real big on energy, and I love your energy, and it's like it just makes me so happy. Like like it's seven thirty now, seven forty five now. It's like I was tired when I just got this boost. Like I want to go back to work because you just made yeah. me so excited. Yeah. So now anytime, let me know. I do it again for sure. I appreciate that. No worries. So just let the people know how they can find you. You know, like, you know, your your social media or your um, sure. website and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, how it is that you feel like you can help them. Sure. So you can find me personally at Henry Mason Jr. So H Henry Mason Jr. Um, but PreciousHospice.com. And you can call the office anytime, 24-7-470-878-5051. And we're in Georgia, Illinois, and Indiana. We do home care, hospice, and palliative care. So anyone that you know that is a senior or critically ill or terminally ill that wants care at home, we can take care of them. And the vast majority of what, I, of what we do is no out-of-pocket costs. Like when I say it's literally no out-of-pocket costs, we try to figure it out with you. Um, and we just kind of go in and, and, and kind of give you the care and support and more importantly, the love that no one else is going to give you because we look like you and we understand the underserved community. That is so powerful. <laughs> oh my God, that is so powerful. It almost sounds like a commercial. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But it sounds like it's real and you can actually hear sure. your passion. Yeah, I appreciate hear it. That, you know, I mean, honestly, you can, because I talk to people a lot and all the time, you know, you can always feel, and just like you said, the energy, you can feel and know if people are being real with you, if people Absolutely. are authentic and you are authentic. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I really You're do. So I welcome. Really do. You're so welcome. And I've truly enjoyed this interaction. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. I look forward to you. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Same to you. Bye, Bye now. Bye.
I know you've been blown away with the amazing value here today. Now go out and inspire the planet. And be sure to send us a message when you're ready to come talk about it on Straight Outta Savannah, Talking with Tammy.